The IRS will take another crack at a long-term IT modernization strategy. It hopes at least to succeed where earlier efforts fell short. The agency is asking Congress for billions over the next six years to retire legacy systems and move to cloud computing. Terry Milholland is former IRS Chief Information and Chief Technology Officer. He tells Federal News Network's Jory Heckman what worked with previous IT modernization strategies and how the agency can do better. The IT community at the IRS when I joined was like a medieval guild. That is, there were people who were quite good, but if you were a master of a guild, you did good work. But someone else who's also building software, for example, is also very good as a team, but they're not going to do it the same way. You know, each one of them has their own tools and techniques and are building their skill base with their teammates through uh, apprentices and journey men and women and ultimately become masters. But they're not going to do the same thing as Sally Sue or Billy Bob, you know, next door, uh, who's also a master of their craft. So part of my challenge was, okay, we have to start operating with the same set of processes and tools. And I chose to do that by a couple initiatives. One was standardizing the software engineering process, for example. So we're all using the same mechanism. The second thing would be standardize. If we're going to do new development, there's only one way to do it. You don't get to choose your programming language. It's going to be Java, you know, which hundreds of thousands of programmers in the world know and is an industry standard and such. So you don't get to say, oh, I'm going to use C or C Sharp or C++ or whatever. You only have one choice. Now, you can appeal it, but since I already knew this technology, you know, you have to be able to convince me that it can't be done using the tool set. So getting people aligned on maximizing their effectiveness and improving the cost by eliminating a bunch of these non-standard approaches we put in place a very robust program, which I think has stayed the course past me, uh, so to speak. So establishing a IT architecture of standard tools and processes was a major accomplishment. That actually allowed us to do things like the Affordable Care Act because of the widespread impact of that across the applications and infrastructure that we were able to do it on time and I want to say under budget, but, you know, we really didn't have a budget for it as allocated by Congress. And our stuff worked. We did not have the issues that um, people who were designing the website had. The second project that I think was pretty unique was implementing a state-of-the-art portal. We outsourced the development of this. There was a bidding process, and Accenture won the business, but the design work and the architecture work was done by the IRS, and then we had to manage the implementation of that portal at a, at a time when we were under great budget constraint and, let's say, oversight, and implement this portal with all the applications that were on it. Now, the applications on it are all the customer-facing, the external world, all these tool sets out there. <laughs> So very carefully had to be done. It took two years in two, uh, two major releases. But at the end of the day, it's a very robust and reliable set of technology that is a 21st century gold standard, in my opinion. Looking ahead to the next time the IRS takes up IT modernization, from a workforce perspective, what can the agency do to make sure that everyone's on board and have the tools that they need to get it done? 
I'm a big fan of never cutting training dollars. My goal was two weeks of training per person kind of thing. Again, like private enterprise would do. It allows people to try to stay current. So that was not the practice when I joined, but it became the practice when I was there. The easiest thing to do was to cut training dollars, you know, when you have a budget issue. I'd rather have less people who are well-trained than people who are not well-trained and more of them. So that became an emphasis area. I also encouraged the leadership to invest in themselves. Usually when people enter management, and I say especially those who become senior executives, they forget why they entered the field. They no longer stay current with technology. That's a big drag on the enterprise that someone who's been in management for 15 years or so still thinks of Fortran as the catch meow for a programming language because that's what they did way, way back when. Well, my view is that let's remind you to invest in yourself to go and learn something new and I'm willing to invest in you to do that because I'm going to sustain the training dollar budgets at all costs, so to speak. That, again, it changes the conversation with people. They see, well, actually, someone at least is saying people are important and are willing to stand behind it. Um, so that skill refreshment becomes an important item to pursue. And that's, again, the mindset of somebody coming from the outside where you invest in people all the time and know that this investment is going to pay off if you are investing in people. Here's the other benefit. They have to deal with some real, let's say, legacy code, which is can be really boring. Well, yes, but you also, because we're investing in you, get to work on some exciting new stuff. And that becomes, an, I, I think, an attractor uh, kind of thing. To your point earlier about Fortran, I know that on Capitol Hill right now, the thing that lawmakers like to point out is just how much COBOL is in IRS systems. And so it seems like this remains an ongoing issue, these archaic programming languages and efforts to modernize them. Yes. And my approach to this, it's somewhat frustrating now on the outside, so to speak, but what is the modernization strategy for the IRS? They don't have one. Well, we did have one, and it was to convert these old programs to Java as money became available. And we provided tools that would help people do that. So while you're working on a, quote, legacy environment, you also can be, if we have the money, developing that code in a state-of-the-art programming language. So yeah, it'll take a while, but if you begin, eventually you accomplish it. I must also say that one of the other languages that often people talk about is assembly language, of which the tax uh, processing system is heavily assembly language. Well, I can tell you, I was an assembly language programmer back in the day. This code set is really efficient. It's elegant in an engineering sense. It's extremely well done. They had an architecture model built in the 70s that they followed where you had uh, all kind of technology constraints like memory and other things. And they, they used a bunch of assembly language coding techniques that were state-of-the-art then and state-of-the-art now, so to speak. Well, we found ways to convert that, what I'd call, complex set of logic to Java. And in fact, the IRS got two patents on this. It's the only government non-DOD and agency that I know of that got patents. And here's a mechanism and way to convert 
assembly language and other languages to Java. We just need to invest to do this. Now, I can't say that when I left that that program was robustly underway. It was continually competing for money to focus on that versus the other issues the IRS is facing at that time. Uh, you might recall that the commissioner was attacked by the people in the House of Representatives, and they had no real desire to provide monies to the IRS to do this work. So because of that and that kind of environment or kind of atmosphere, we never got the isolation of money for that kind of project to be launched. I'm hoping that the new budget that's moving forward allocates the monies appropriately to start addressing that issue. Terry Milholland, former Chief Information and Chief Technology Officer at the IRS. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Don't miss Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com slash vision.